And now I'd like to invite up Reverend Catherine and just the kids. I'd like to invite up some teens to share some exciting things with you. My name's David, and I, along with Jamie here, was one of the co-directors at this weekend's teen winter camp. And so for me, I wanted to say that being a co-director, I was leading and directing and having the camp run smoothly, and that teen group has really allowed me to open myself up to the possibility and to the fun, and just be able to even have the opportunity and be able to speak in front of you here today. And so... Now we're going to let the teens tell you all about camp. Hi, my name is Lisa. The theme this year was Lego, my ego. (laughs) Yes. It was about discovering what our egos mean to us and what represents our ego. So we did a workshop to figure, find this out. And we used a balloon, and what we did was we blew it up to about the size of a grapefruit. That represented our normal ego. Then we deflated the balloon. This represented our deflated ego. Then we reinflated the balloon, and this represented our inflated ego. It's amazing how a balloon, something just so simple as a balloon, is so accurate, accurate in representing of a ego. Then we plop, pop the balloon. This represents the release of our egos. Hi, I'm Megan, and one of the other workshops we did was titled I'm Amazing. During this workshop, we chose the biggest conflict in our lives and we went through three steps to find a resolution, blindfolded. We were guided from meditation to a practitioner and then to journaling and vice versa. Then we ended with a massage circle and were smudged with white sage to remove any negative energy. Hi, I'm Taylor Ray. Also at Winter Camp, we did a workshop called Kickstart the Global Heart. It was basically to gain knowledge and recognize what is occurring around the world. In this workshop, we got to design t-shirts like these ones. And, okay. On the front, we drew symbols of what the Center for Spiritual Living is about. And on the back, we wrote messages to global youth about how much we love and appreciate them and how much we want them to come to camp. For example, this one over here says, you deserve to come to camp because you need to know that you are loved. So we just had a whole bunch of messages like that on those t-shirts. These t-shirts will be sent to global youth to help spread what we're all about and hopefully to give, them, to give the chance for more teens to come to our summer camp. So if you know anyone who would like to come and be a part of the love and have as much fun as we do, we invite you to send anyone who's a teen to us on Sunday evenings. Thank you. <laughs> I'm a teen on the inside. Does that count? (laughs) I'd love to go. So now I'd like to take this opportunity to introduce the best salsa dancer in Edmonton. Here's Reverend Dr. Patrick Cameron. (laughs) 
I didn't know that about me. Good morning. So we're going to uh, sing a song and say a prayer. And what I'm going to invite you to do as we go into our um, song and prayer is really bring ourselves, and this is for myself as well, bring ourselves to present moment awareness. I'm, we're going to touch on that a little bit today. In that there's ways to bring ourselves to that. I was reminded of a story I heard this week of people that have been given a, a, a diagnosis of a terminal disease. And so many times what happens for them is that they stop fantasizing about the future because every moment becomes precious. And so Maybe we can do that today without being giving a diagnosis of a terminal disease. Maybe we can bring ourselves to that awareness in this moment. Because when we bring that awareness to this moment, our prayer becomes just so much more rich and powerful and wonderful. And I'm aware of that in my own spiritual practice. I can do a spiritual mind treatment and my mind can be off in the future. Or it can be in the past. But it's such a powerful thing. And the, and the, the beauty of it is, is that awareness is the awareness of the eternal. That is the, the eternal moment. That is the conversation of the infinite. And so as we go into our song today and we go into our prayer, let us open our hearts and our minds to that possibility. And if it helps ground you in the present moment to touch yourself and uh, rubbing your fingers together or touching your heart or being mindful of your breath, there are ways to use the, this body temple in a way that helps become the conduit of that experience as well. And so many times I will just touch my fingers together and track my breathing. And what it does is it gets me doing two things at once. I can't think of the future because I'm celebrating the moment. And so I invite you, if you'd like to stand with me to sing, please feel free. And if not, stay seated. But once again, really it's about bringing all of ourselves to this moment. We become the prayer. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit, is in this very room. In this very room in this very room what I know and invite you to know with me in this moment as we step into that portal of the, the, the third kingdom of creation the co-creation to stand in that perfect union with spirit and that that pathway 
is in awareness. And so I invite you as you ground yourself in this moment, and perhaps your, your touchstone is a memory or a thought or it's a physical sensation of celebrating your body temple. But we step together through that portal of awareness. And so then the cosmic Christ, the Buddha nature, that body of awareness that underlies all of life has an opportunity to be fully embraced, expressed, and experienced. So all is well in this moment. All is right and perfect. That peace and part and essence of you and I that is eternal, unconditionally loved, resourced and supplied in every good way has its way and makes its way known in this moment and so I know the blessings that seek their way to us as we stand in this together as I stand in it my intuition is fully activated the grace and beauty that allows me to filter and discern all of the information that comes forth in my awareness is acutely clear and beautifully directed and graciously supported and so I give thanks in this moment beforehand for this beautiful celebration, for this beautiful tradition, for this tradition of freedom and joy, for the beautiful musicians that share their love and their inspiration with us this day, for all of the volunteers that are here today that have been here in years past, for the resources, for the money and the love and the emotion that has gone into this vibrant spiritual community to support our blossoming in consciousness as well as one another's and ultimately blessing this planet. I just give thanks, knowing every good thing and the biggest and most ripe and juicy idea possible for me to grab onto this day is here now, in this present moment. I have laid the table, I have planted the seed, and I stand in the beautiful repose of expectancy of unconditional love and welcome of that idea, that opportunity, that possibility by means of me. And for this I give thanks. I release anything and everything in my awareness that restricts or blocks this new experience, this new consciousness. And so I give thanks and invite you to say with me, knowing it is already done in the mind of the one, and so it is. All right. We had a great time the other night. We danced and we, we ate and we danced and we ate and we drank and we, we bit on stuff silently. I had all kind, my name down on, on all kinds of stuff and I didn't get anything. I was just driving the bits up anyway. So. I've done that in years past. I end up with 15 things that I don't know what to do. So I get to bring them back the next year for the next silent auction. But anyway, it was great, great to spend time together in, in, in fun raising rather than fundraising. I uh, am, am been using the new design for living this, this, uh, this month and we'll continue to do that. It's our book of the year and I know that many of you have it. And uh, as I was grazing over and uh, coming up with our, our lesson today, I was drawn to your, your new freedom, which is the, the title of the, the talk. And I wanted to just begin with something that Dr. Ernest Holmes said because Dr. Ernest is he's so clear about the principles that we stand upon. So I thought this was just a wonderful piece. It's a small, uh, a few sentences here. He said, in, and it's titled, the section within this, this chapter is No Big, No Little. No Big or Little. We have to free ourselves from the habit of thinking in a small way. We have to free ourselves from thinking in a small way. Or that something may be too big or too good for us to experience. Our thoughts are the only limiting factor. The law which responds to our thought is ready and able to accomplish all things. 
Everybody, would you agree with that? Why aren't we doing it? Why aren't, maybe you're doing it. Why am I not doing it? Because Holmes is so clear about this. It's so simple. We can read that and just go home. And yet I know from my experience and the people that I've spoken to and, and, and my journey with this as I look at our movement is that we have big ideas. I mean, our mission, our purpose, our, our vision is, is, is the world that works for everyone. That's our vision as an organization, as a movement, a world that works for everyone. And so what we, you know, we want to touch and impact 100 million lives. Well, how do we do that? Because if we're going to do it like this, I mean, we can count how many people are in this room, but it's very short of 100 million, if you've noticed. We don't even have parking for 100 million. <laughs> do we? No. And so um, our mission is to awaken humanity to its spiritual magnificence. And our purpose is to share and impart spiritual tools and skills that for personal and global transformation. Those are big, big ideas. How are we going to do that with what we have? And so we don't have to do it all. Holmes said we can only use what we know. And the more we understand, the more we'll be able to accomplish. And see, the most important thing that I know about this movement that's been my experience is the transformation of consciousness. We're here for the transformation of consciousness. And so what does that look like? And why, why can't I direct my thoughts in a way that's effective and practical and, and dynamic in a way so that you and I live in the fullness of our lives, that our lives work in a beautiful way? And, and, and it's, so that's... That's the challenge at times. That's the challenge of, of this movement. We come together. I don't stand up here and tell you you've done bad things, you've done wrong things, because you've got that job covered. I don't need to say that stuff. What it is for us is to really give birth to a different idea about ourselves, a bigger idea. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Uh, today, because it really is why we come together. It's the transformation of consciousness. It's why practitioners devote so much time in their lives and in their spiritual development to, to, to become more proficient with uh, affirmative prayer because it's one of our tools to activate a new idea and to support one another and do a new experience. So it's very direct. It's very powerful. It's very transformative. It's also very challenging. Last week we had our meeting for practitioners, people that are interested. 20 people showed up. 20 people showed up to the meeting. It was wonderful. Yeah, I agree. Bless you. And so, but, but see, we don't have enough time on the, pl- I, I, and I love it, because as we transform our consciousness, if we step onto the fast track of that, it's powerful. But there's other things that, what I'm interested in, in what I'm interested in most, most Number one is that, that we give birth to the possibilities, the opportunities, the resources, and the insight, and the motivation, and the inspiration so that 100 million people in some way start to, to awaken to their own spiritual magnificence. Because as I know, as we continue to awaken, then a lot of the problems that we perceive as lack and limitation on the planet will disappear. That's the way consciousness works. But when we're in kingdom one, you've heard me talk about the kingdoms, and kingdom one is victim consciousness. When the planet is living in victim consciousness, it's very difficult because your spirit's not even awake. 
We, a number of years ago, the movie The Secret came out. And as you remember in that movie, there was the, the, the thing. And, and it, was a, it was a good movie. It was, it was very well done, but it, it, it was sort of the, the, the entry level of metaphysics. And that if you visualize something, talked about the law of attraction, if you visualize something and you do it over and over again and you train yourself to do these certain things, you will bring into your experience what you want. And I think that's a good entry point for people because we all want different things. We'd all like our lives to be, look different in some way, shape, or form. But beyond that, and what I think is a deeper level, what's being taught and I think is very important is not so much the law of attraction. And I love Jerry and uh, Esther Hicks. I just love their stuff. I think it's really clear metaphysics. She talks about a lot about the law of attraction. But at a deeper level and a more mature level of that is the law of manifestation. And what I know in my own experience and I've watched as I've done this work and I've read all the books and I've, I've, I've studied so much of these things is that, the, that I can only have and I can only get into my life what I am. I can only attract to me what I am. That's just the way consciousness works. In other words, if I'm, if I'm desiring more of a certain experience or a certain quality, I'd like more love in my life. Then I can't go around picking out and naming people that I hate. Because I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not participating in life in, in love. I'm participating in my life in limitation and competition and, and comparison and whatever. It's just, and that's a vibrational tone. So in order to experience more love in my life, then what, what is required for me is to look at the areas in my life where I'm not expressing love and then find a way to shift and change that. And that's not easy. I was talking uh, to Brown before service, and he was telling me a story when Jamie... Jamie is his son that sits right here and got up with the teens and one of the co-directors for camp this year. Wonderful young man that got up at the Christmas celebration and, and read uh, uh, one of the re readings. And his sister, Lena, and Lena's three years older. And he said he was, his mom, the moms were, his mom was making, uh, Lena and Jamie's mother was making pancakes one day. And, and so they got into an argument about who'd have the first pancake. And so mom said, well, you know, if, if it was Jesus, Jesus would make sure that the other person was fed first. And so Lena looked at Jamie and said, Jamie, you go ahead and be Jesus today. <laughs> Which, it's funny because it's true. You go ahead and be Jesus. I'll keep doing what I'm doing. I'm busy here. You be Jesus. And, and, and Dr. Holmes talked about the Christ consciousness. You know, his, his whole, and it's the cosmic Christ. It's not the historical Christ. Historical Christ has got all these theories and you know books and books and books about it. It's embodying what's alive within us, and it's that awareness. And see, that's what's exciting, and that's when we talk about awakening humanity to its spiritual magnificence. So I want to talk about that today, because Holmes is really clear. Our thought creates. We impress upon this infinite intelligence an idea. And so we impress upon this idea. So let me ask you a question around this, because the whole theory is, revolves around this a bit. What's more powerful, our conscious minds or our subconscious minds? How many people would say our conscious minds are more powerful? And how many would say our subconscious minds are more powerful? Yeah, more hands. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you the truth as, as, as articulated. So the confusion is, oh, I'm being filmed. I gotta, I'll back up. Sorry, Kevin. I got all excited there for a minute. And I'm going to pause right now. Is this a time when you can reset? The best laid plans of cameramen and ministers. Okay. Um, but, but subconscious is, is vast and deep. Our subconscious contains all of the, our past memories, 
things from childhood, you know, it's, it's just, it's expansive, so it's very, very large. And so one would confuse that with being powerful. But the way that we shift our subconscious mind is through our conscious thinking. And so the conscious mind is more powerful. But it doesn't feel that way many times because our conscious thinking can be so repetitive and limiting and there's ideas. Eckhart Tolle talks about it in his journey. When he was six years old, he, told us, he, he said that, that he wrote about at six years of age, they put scaffold up outside of his building as a small boy. And he lived on the main floor. And it went up six stories. And he said that he, he felt really good about having the scaffold there because he was in such acute pain and depression and sadness and sorrow that he knew that if it really got bad, he could climb up the scaffold to the sixth floor and jump off and take his own life. He's six years old. And this went on until he was 39. 39 years old. And finally he said, I can't. I wrote it down here. I can't live with myself any longer like this. I can't live with myself any longer. He got to the point where he just said, I can't do this anymore. I, do, I just will not do this anymore. And he said what, real, what came alive for him was the realization that that story that he was not good enough, that his story of unhappiness was not true. And he said there was sort of this split in his awareness. And all of a sudden, he said he got up the next morning. Once he realized that that story he'd been telling himself for 39 years wasn't true, there was a split within him. And all of a sudden, this awareness, he got up the next day and he said everything looked more alive. The grass, the, the trees, the, the, the animals, the birds, everything was more alive. And he said he had this overwhelming of peace, this overwhelming sense of peace. And he said what he started to do was write it down. Because he said he was worried that he would, he, he would lose it. And he wanted to at least have a record of the experience. Because it was so different and unique. But he just got to the point where he just had to, uh, to surrender. Sparrow, I think, is going to sing their second song. It was about surrender. But he finally got to the point where he just said, I can't do this on my own anymore. And so he moved into this awareness. And this is where this whole thing around the power of, of now comes. He said he recognized the unhappy me was not real. And so he began having a spiritual awakening. And he started to separate himself from this egoic mind. This, this, he used the metaphor. He said, thoughts, and I, I love this, thoughts are like a body of water that have waves on the top or ripples. Those are our thoughts. And they all, they're all real active and busy. But underneath those waves is this body of water that represents awareness. And so when we realize that the thoughts that are creating this idea of unhappy, he said his whole theme is, until he was 39 years old, is uh, something's going to happen to disappoint me. Something that's going to happen that's going to hurt. And so every day he'd get up and he'd find more things that, were, that would make him unhappy. Every day. He was using the principles that Holmes talks about. He was using his conscious thought, and every time something bad happened up because, uh, for him, he would, he'd say, here I am, and of course it's going to be bad because I deserve bad because that's who I am. That's all I, he knew. And so he was impressing upon this subconscious with his conscious thinking, saying, oh, there's more bad, but that's what I know. And so, so it became so familiar for, to him that he finally had this, this split when he finally said, I can't do this anymore. See, we don't have to get to that point. 
That's why we have this community. This is about, our whole thing is about the transformation of consciousness. The Tao Te Ching, it was written by Lao Tzu 500 years before the birth of the Christ. And he said, your original nature, your original nature, which is that awareness? Your original nature is the reverence for all life. It's, it, it, and it's characterized by gentleness, kindness, service towards others, giving, offering, service, and so what happens when we're in that space, which, is, which is, can be very foreign for us, then we give up all judgment of everything and everyone. And so when we get to that point, it's really easy to say, well, you go ahead and do that. Because I'm not quite ready to do that. And it's okay, but I think in having the conversation and talking about it, it starts to prepare the soil of our consciousness to even consider it. And so then, because it's so much easier to, to love and, and celebrate the historical Jesus. There's a series on TV right now called The Bible by uh, Mark Barnett, who does Survivor. He was here in Edmonton, Empowering Edmonton. I saw him speak a number of years ago. Brilliant man. And, he doing a, and they were interviewing him about doing this series on the Bible. And he said, well, the way we approach this is, you know, the Bible is to be interpreted literally. And that's a very popular idea. I mean, it's nice that he's telling this story. But as I said last week, literalism is the, the lowest common uh, level of meaning in sacred text. It doesn't mean it's bad. I'm glad he's doing the story and he's updated it and all this stuff. And I, and I watch it, but it's really about the, it's about the awakening of consciousness. It always has been and it always will be. But when we, when we pray to this external force of God outside of ourselves, we're, I think we're missing the point. God is everywhere, but the place that we can connect with it and be most impactful in our own way of being is within ourselves. Jesus said the kingdom is within you. And if he were alive today, he would say the domain. See, the kingdom of heaven is a spaciousness. It is a peace beyond all understanding. And and then when we're in that and we stand in that, in that graciousness, and we don't have to live there all the time. But how many of us have that opportunity? How many of us even think about that possibility? He's totally said, I didn't even know this awareness existed. And so he said that the first step in this, the first great step forward is to realize there's an awareness, there's a presence, there's a mindfulness. And so it's the difference between thinking, which is the waves on the top of the ocean, and preferences, competitions and comparisons, to awareness. And when we're in awareness, it's a whole different experience. And it's vast and it's powerful and it's expansive. And I know it's not reasonable to think we can stay there all the time, but the more time we step into that, the less this life becomes more painful. You know, I have embraced the uh, co-creation process over the last year and I've done a lot of my own work in my own prayer chair. Because what I was finding in my own life was the things that I was reacting to when I was 20 years old, I was still reacting to and not in a good way. And I said, I want to use this teaching in the deepest way possible. I want to use this, this infinite intelligence and this, this beautiful teaching by Dr. Ernest Holmes so that, that there's a power for good in the universe that, can, that we can use and, and in fact it can use us. And so how can I step into that in a more expansive way? How can I give birth to the Christ consciousness in my own awareness? Because I think it's time for a bigger idea. I, I, I put my name forward to be part of the leadership council because I watched 
the small idea, in, in my opinion, and this is my perception, but I knew there was something bigger that wanted to happen. It wasn't that people weren't bringing the best of themselves that was most precious and wonderful to what they were experiencing, but I wanted to be part of a, a different conversation about that. And I wanted to support the birth of that consciousness. And I've matured enough in my own spiritual development to realize how important that is to be part of the leadership for what we stand for. And how important it is for us here to do our own work. So when, I'm, when, I, when I react to someone, when I, when, I, when I find myself triggered by something, see, the beautiful thing is I had, a, I had a lunch with somebody in the last couple of months, and we sat down, and they no longer come to the community. They come once in a while, and it's, it's great to see them. And they said to me, you know, I'm done with this community. I don't need to come there anymore. And then they proceeded to tell me that pretty much they live full-time in, in kingdom number four, which is the I am consciousness. And in my experience, and this could be true, my experience with when someone tells me that they are the Christ consciousness, pretty good chance they're not. Because usually when people are in, in kingdom four consciousness, they don't tell anybody about it. But that's just my take on it. And what I realize also is what happens for us on our journey, it's so much easier to withdraw and not be in community. I tell people, people come up to me all the time and they withdraw, they pull themselves out of here because they don't like me. I get it. There's parts of me that are very unlikable because I, I'm opinionated. I expect people that are going to be, be within me, standing with me in this tradition to have a, a sound spiritual practice. I expect people that are practitioners and ministers to meditate on a regular basis, to do affirmative prayer, to support our mission and our purpose and all those things. And for some people, that's unreasonable. And I get it. I, made, I had a huge healing in Vancouver and I realized, you know what? I'm okay with people not liking me. I'm okay with people not loving me. Because they're in their own process as I am. And, I got, and my responsibility is not to, to judge them, but to love them and support them in the awakening of conscience. So they're wonderful teachers. But if I withdraw, like this fellow I was having lunch with, if I withdraw from my relationships, I don't learn anything. And see, what was happening is I was being triggered by, by things that were being said to me. And I realized, you know what? This doesn't feel very spiritual. This feels like I'm always just protecting myself. And I don't want to live like that. And I'm not going to change people's opinions. That's not my job. What I'm about, here about is a transformation of my own consciousness. So then what I get to look at, I get to pull up, Tole calls it the pain body. And you realize, I'm reacting to this. Why does it concern me that someone doesn't love me? And so what happens is you do the work and you do the work and you do the work. What I'm finding is I'm no longer as influenced by the opinions of others. And it doesn't mean that I don't care and I don't love what I want to be able to do when people come at me with their opinions because it's all their projection and it's all my projection about you. We make stuff up. Is that, that what I know is I want to be able to, when that happens, go sit in my prayer chair and do my own healing work. Do my own releasing, and, and, and what, what guides that is my intuition and your intuition. And I was watching Carolyn Mace on a YouTube, and she said, the reason that we don't pay attention to intuition, and when she said this, it really struck home to me. The reason that we don't listen to intuition is because intuition is the same voice that when we make a mistake, and if we're conscious and aware and say, you know, I'd like to be the light of the world, and then all of a sudden something shows up in our life and somebody says something that's not supportive or not kind, and they're only speaking from their level, they can't be supportive, they can't be kind. And it's not a criticism, it's where they are. It's just that, that 
what I want to be able to do is go into my prayer chair and do my own work so that then I can stand there in compassion and love and say, just tell me more. Pour it out. Pour it out. What's going on? Tell me more. Because they're, they're having their own experience. And, and the beautiful thing is, as I do this work, it, it, as, as Reverend Penny Masick said, she'll be here next weekend with us working with our practitioners. We've been doing this for nine months on the co-creation with our practitioners because we want to bring a healing consciousness to our practitioners so that we're on fire with this teaching so that it's not about, geez, you've got to be at the center this part of time. You've got to do this and this and this. It's about, man, I want to give everything I have because I believe in this movement. And if we can't get there, then go do something else. Why, why half measures avail us nothing, as it says in the 12 steps. That's what I'm after. I want to live in the richness and the juiciness of spirit in my life so that wherever I go, I represent what we stand for. And it's not my small opinion. I'm not in competition. I want to be the presence of the Christ consciousness in my life. And I've got a long way to go. But see, if I don't give it my all, it'll never happen. But Carolyn May says the reason we don't listen to intuition is because that same voice, when we make the mistake and we're conscious and aware and we want to be loving and we're not, that's the same voice that says, you screwed up. You made a mistake. You're a mess. You have no business getting up and speaking to people. All that stuff, that, all that, those thoughts on the water. I was in, uh, uh, yesterday I was sitting at home, got home from the, the gala, and I got up late, and I'm in my bathrobe, and I'm reading a book. And I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm looking out the window, and there's six little kids come up to the, into my yard. And then I put this new stone wall in last year, and they run on it. It's really nice. It's kind of a, and they, they run back and forth on it, and I'm in there. I'm always in prayer about them, not getting hurt. <laughs> and so one of the kids, one of the, taller, the tallest boy, he looked like he was probably 10, came into the yard and I have a picnic table with some stuff I left out last summer. There's a hose nozzle for, you know, spraying and some chimes. And so he walks up to the picnic table and I'm watching him because I'm sitting, I can see, I'm at an angle, they can't see me. I'm looking out the picture window because the sun was so bright, I was off to the side. All of a sudden I see him pick the hose bib, uh, sprayer up and go, yeah, and he throws it into the snowbank. And I thought, what? I'm here making this story up about these wonderful little children and they've come into my yard because they just sense my presence, you know, the Christ consciousness. <laughs> what? So I'm in my bathrobe and I go to the front door and, I, and, and so this is what I did because I'm so spiritually evolved. I said, hey, you kids, get out of here! <laughs> and they go running off the, in the distance. And then I'm all excited now, right? And so I go and I throw my clothes on and I get in my vehicle and I drive there about a half, half a block down the street. And I pull up, and they're all like, <laughs> and so I said, what's going on? We get out, and they're standing there. And then the tallest boy, I said to him, what's your name? And he said, Jamie. I said, what's your name? Jamie. So one more time, Jamie. I said, Damien, okay. And then the other little instigator, I said, what's your name? And he gave me the same thing. Latrell. What? Latrell. <laughs> one more time, Latrell. I said, okay, Damien, Latrell. I said, Look, you guys, when you come into the yard, that's my stuff. Don't be throwing it around like that. I said, let's be respectful. We all live in the neighborhood. Let's get along. But I said, I wouldn't come into your yard and throw your stuff around if your toys were out. You know, it would never occur to me. So if you want to play on the wall, you can. And if you want to come in the yard, come in the yard. But uh, be respectful. And so <laughs> I get done talking to them, and they're scared. They're really scared. And I know, and I see it, and I'm like, oh, man. This is just, 
you know, so I'm thinking the, the, the waves in my head on top of my awareness, I'm like, how could I have done this better? You know, did I come on too strong? I could have been more gentle. I should have gone down and bought candy for a month. Hey, guys, you know what? Next time you come in the yard, don't be throwing my stuff around. All that stuff. That's that stuff where you re-examine and you re-examine. And, re and so as I'm getting ready to get back in my truck, this little guy's standing there between Damien and Latrell, and he goes, Hey, you didn't ask me what my name is. <laughs> and I said, I didn't. What's your name? He says, Josh. I said, well, Josh, nice to meet you. And then it kind of broke the tension. But I thought about it all afternoon, and I thought, you know, there's an opportunity because my motivation was, I, I felt uh, in integrity with my motivation, but I realized just me showing up, how it scared them. And then I, I did my, I had to do my own work around it. And I thought, you know, did, was it too much? Should I just blown it off? You know, you know, I did what I did. But that's a point. That's, we do things in life, and then we re-examine, or we re-examine, or we re-examine. And so I think I left them in love. And, and now, you know, I'm thinking as I plant all these flowers every spring, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if I can hire them. You know, give me each a couple loonies an hour to come and help me plant flowers. If I can, you know, get their attention again, who knows? But I mean, I've been strategizing around that about how I can how I can support them in, in a, a more proactive and positive thing. So you know, we we have these we have these things that come up. See, we can't let ourselves out of prison until we know we're in prison. And if we think bondage is our natural state of being, if we let those, those small thoughts keep running, directing our lives, we can never step into this teaching effectively as Dr. Holmes is writing about. See, if we stand in victim consciousness and our, our conversation is, you know, bad stuff always happens to me, well, we're using the law, but we're not using it very effectively. What's the point? And that's why we do spiritual practice. That's why we have meditation. Meditation, uh, Tolle says meditation is one of the pathways, but we don't all have to meditate. But when we start to meditate, when we start to be mindful, we start to realize there's thinking and there's awareness, and they're not the same thing. We can, have, we can be in awareness. When we're in awareness, the thinking slows down. And so I'm going to continue to do my meditation and work around with these children in my neighborhood and ask for the guidance and how, how, I, can, how I can be of benefit in that situation. I told Laura when I got back, I said, you know, this is why they have programs for kids and they have, they have um, play yards for kids that go play. There's nothing in our neighborhood, which is lack consciousness. You know, all these cuts that are going on with the government, right? It's lack consciousness. Well, we see it. I mean, these kids need a place to play. Maybe my yard needs to be a place where they can play. I don't know. But, I mean, I'm working with that. And how can I be of assistance and be proactive in it rather than, you know, be another place that, where they find fear in the world? Because really there's nothing to fear. We make this stuff up. And I saw it in their faces. And it just cracked me open. Look, you guys. As Tole said, I couldn't stand to be myself anymore. We either evolve, we either wake up, or we expire. We either evolve, we either wake up, or we expire. And it's our choice. And no one's going to punish us if we say, I can't do this, I'm done. I've done it many times. I reach my, my I can't do this anymore, I'm done. And then on my way home, that still small voice says, you're not done. But, but, but when we withdraw from the world and we're not fired, because we get fired by one another in relationship. And so if our choice is to withdraw our experience and withdraw our resources and to hold back and to hoard who we are, 
we start to shrink. And then we're no longer fired by one another. And eventually the spiritual path is we start to realize we don't need to be fired by the exterior anymore. We can sit in our prayer chair and do our work. Our forgiveness work, our love work, whatever we're called to do, that's the journey. It's an exciting, exciting time to be alive. What does it feel like? Tole says, what does it feel like to be you? Not those, the thoughts in your head. What does it feel like to be you? Have you had that experience? What does it feel like to be me? Where I put down all my opinions and all the opinions of other people, and I'm just me. And I find that in awareness. The one, the one gift that this teaching has given me, like never before in my life, is a greater sense of peace and connection with spirit. And I don't know what kingdom I'm in. I don't want to force anything. I don't want to scare anybody. I just want to stand in the love. I want to be loved and give love unconditionally. I want to stand with people that say, you know what, there's problems on this planet and let's do the best we can to be of support and to be part of the answer rather than part of the problem. And you're doing that and I'm doing that. You wouldn't be sitting in this room if you weren't awake and aware. And you're, you're, you're probably in practices far beyond what I am. Many of you. People came up to me after the first service and talked about their practices. You are the light of the world, as Jesus said. So it's our opportunity to let ourselves out of prison when we start to realize that we're, we even know we're in prison. And we start to bring awareness to who we are and allow that awareness to bubble up and be more and more prevalent in our lives. And then we can, we can use these beautiful principles that Dr. Holmes talks about more effectively. He ends this chapter by saying that this means that our thoughts act upon something or that something acts in accordance with the way we think. And the way we think is altered as we start to become more and more familiar with our awareness. Because in that awareness is the intuition. And then it's not about pushing the still small voice away because it can sound so critical at times, but it's blessing it and saying, yeah, you know, like with these kids, I can do better next time. Here's an opportunity. We started off a little rocky, but now I can develop a relationship with these guys. And I don't know what that'll look like. I don't know what spirit's going to show up in my life. But if I, if I shut myself off and say they're bad and wrong and I don't trust them, then the relationship shuts down for me. And they get that. How many times have, we, have I done that in my life? Holmes says that, that something's act, something acts in accordance with the way we think so that there are specific, tangible, and measurable results. Using this action of thought for our greater good means simply that we are bringing our lives into conformity with the fundamental nature of life, which is God. The Tao Te Ching, your original nature, reverence for all life, gentleness, kindness, service towards others. So thank you for being part of this movement. Thank you for being part of the supporting one another and loving one another in the expansion of consciousness and awareness that gives birth to that. It's powerful stuff. It's not easy. If it was easy, I could have read that first paragraph to you and we could all go home and get that hour of sleep we got cheated out of last night, if you know what I mean. So I guess for me, as we, I, I, I conclude today, is to just simply say to myself and to say to you, what does it feel like to be really, to be you? What does it feel like to be you? without all the opinions, without the memories, as if we've been given that diagnosis that our life is terminal, which it is, and we stop fantasizing about the future and regretting the past, and all of a sudden we're in the present moment awareness. Because we're all terminal. 
We all have a shelf life, but not our consciousness. And that's a beautiful, wonderful thing. So it is.